0: Hey? happy Easter so uh, I know it's got nothing to do with Jesus but who's eaten chocolate already <laughs> the night before who's been into hot cross buns already who thinks the best part of the hot cross bun is the peel yes there's not many no, I do know one or two. <laughs> hey, how cool is that? Um, Easter is one of those one of those days, I guess, like Christmas, where it, it just puts a smile on your face. One, you know, it's a holiday. And you know you've got extended holidays. You don't have to get up early tomorrow morning, you know. Um, you know you're going to get gifts. For a lot of us, it might be chocolate, but if you know, you, you've got an Italian heritage and you're a grandparent and you're a grandchild, you're going to get cash, you know. Or as we would say, gish, gish. So my kids are looking forward to some gish from Nonna. Right? None of that's got anything to do with Jesus, yeah. But it, there's a sense where the joy that comes with that, yeah. It, it's not just the day, it's everything that goes with the day. It's everything that goes with the memory. It's the family gatherings, you know, where we celebrate that Jesus actually did rise from the dead. And as a family, we can celebrate that. And we'll do that, you know, with the rest of the world, and we'll give out chocolates and we'll give out money, but we'll sit and have a meal together. And for those of us that are are privy and privileged, we can come together and we can worship in church and we can lift up the name of God and we can have, have some beautiful time in his presence as well, which is probably the pinnacle for me for the day. No matter how good my mum's lasagna will be in Melbourne today, no matter how good that is, this, you know, that pales in significance to the, some of the time that we've already had together, amen. But Easter Sunday's about resurrection, it's about a resurrected life, it's about Jesus he was dead but he's no longer dead, he's risen and I, I love the fact that on, on Friday, Mal shared how Jesus didn't just... It, it sounds, sounds nuts. Jesus didn't just come to die and, and to be raised up. That's not why... That's not the only reason that he came. Because actually, when he was buried, when he died on the cross, he actually buried with him, as Mal shared on Friday, a whole stack of stuff that torments and can torment our lives, that can frustrate our lives, frustrate our dreams, a whole bunch of stuff. And so in him being buried, he buried all of that with him. But then on this third day as we celebrate his resurrection, there's actually stuff now that can be resurrected in our lives solely because of his resurrection. Yeah? I mean, it's... It's easy to forget how wonderful the resurrection is when we're celebrating with baskets and bunnies and and eggs, you know? And you're getting caught up with family lunches and you're running around and did I order the chicken? Did I roast the potatoes? Is everything set? I mean, the day becomes so big we can forget the significance of the resurrection itself, you know? But today, I I really want to focus on the fact that now that he's put to death, Stuff like pain, he's put to death disappointment, he's put to, get to death shame, he's put to death regret, he's put to death addiction, he's, he's put to death all of that stuff. So if, if we can actually not just acknowledge that thought, but a, a mentor of mine, Peter McHugh, would say, you can own a thought or you can rent a thought. We can rent that thought, we can know it, but never live in the truth of it. Or we can actually own the truth that those things are put to death. And so when they come against us, actually we have the power to overcome them because they're actually not alive. Yeah, yeah? They, they are dead. The, the reality is upon his, his resurrection, he, he's actually come to tell us that now we can live an abundant life. Yeah. Now. Now we can live a, a life that's full Right now. He wants us to live a resurrected life today. Yeah. So I'm going to try to get through that really quickly um, so that we can go and celebrate with family. But that's where I want to go today. So we're going to pray if that's all right. And so, Father, Lord, a really simple prayer. Have your way, Lord, in our hearts today. Lord, in every church that's open, in every church that's opening, in every celebration Lord, of your resurrection, I pray the Holy Spirit that you would move in such sweet power that people would certainly come away from today having not just been inspired, but Father, having had, uh, uh, I guess, that, that flame aired and grown and torched, Lord, that the desire for you, our hunger for you would be greater, that our relationship with you would be deeper, that our resemblance to your Son would be I guess with ever increasing glory we'd be more like Jesus. So God I just say have your way today in Jesus name. Amen. So in John 11, yeah, I'm I'm going to run through a couple of scriptures and some that'll be behind me, but in John 11 Jesus vi- visits. Yeah, he visits Mary and Martha because Lazarus has died. Yeah? Most people know the story. If you don't, read John 11. And and it ends happily, which is really cool. Because unlike most death that you and I experience, that generally doesn't end happily. Yeah, right? But in this case, it ends happily because Lazarus physically gets resurrected. But before, before Jesus actually says in John 11, 43, before he actually says to Lazarus, come out, yeah, he has this conversation with Martha, still in the same chapter, but all the way back at verse 25. And, and he, he tells her that, You've got to understand, Martha, that your brother, he's going to live. You've got to trust me. He's going to live. And then Jesus says these words, I am the resurrection and the life. They go together. So we can't celebrate Easter Sunday and, and, and celebrate the fact that he's no longer in the tomb without also celebrating that part of that resurrection, he's also the life. So in giving us a resurrection, he gives us life. You can't separate the two. They go... Hand in hand. There's nothing worse, right? Oh, please don't leave the church or turn off the stream. There's nothing worse than a Christian that looks like they've been sucking lemons, right? I know. I know life can be tough. We all have moments, yeah. On, on. Even this week, I'm going, going up to South Australia because of a funeral of my of mum's my niece, my cousin, of which my mum was very close to. So there's a lot of Italian mourning happening there. I understand that life isn't always sweet, but there should be something within us, a resurrection and a life. Amen? And so he says to her, on the resurrection and the life, and he wasn't talking about, when he says that, he's not talking about, that he's going to resurrect. He's not talking about Easter Sunday. He's not even talking about, listen, Lazarus is actually, I'm going to resurrect him. He's not even talking about that. I believe that what Jesus wanted Martha to understand, what he wants all of us everywhere, those that are listening at home to understand, is that if we place our lives in his hands, yeah, actually in his hands, he will then take our life and he will raise up our life so that we can live this fulfilled life. This abundant life, this resurrected life. Jesus wants you and I to live a resurrected life. That's why it's so important when we celebrate Easter Sunday to use the word resurrection because there's some stuff in the same way that He put to death on Good Friday things in our lives that can torment us and drag us down. He's actually resurrected stuff in our lives. Yeah? And we need to know it because if we know it, people will see it. And if people see it, they'll be attracted to it because who's not attracted? to Jesus when they meet him, yeah? We all are, amen? So Jesus, he's actually resurrected our hope. Hope's a really big thing, yeah? In, in Luke 3, you've got John the Baptist. He's preparing the people for Jesus' coming, right, through John. What we've got to understand, though, with the Jewish people is since King David, they've gone through hundreds of years of of almost being schizophrenic, right? We love you, God. We're walking away from God. We love you, God. We're walking away from God. This is the Jewish people. This is, this is what they did for hundreds of years. They would turn to him. They'd turn away from him. And so if, if you know the story, God actually drives the Jewish people into exile. He actually does it. He does it. He drives them out, yeah? Yeah. And their, their land and their homes—they they were destroyed. They were taken over by foreign powers. You know, a little bit like what I guess what's happening overseas at the moment. You know, and ultimately, though, God gives them an opportunity to return. So they return home. They rebuild Jerusalem. This is these the Jewish people. They rebuild Jerusalem, and what happens? Then the Romans take it. Thanks for rebuilding it. Thanks for making it pretty. Thanks for all the effort, spending all the cash. But now we're going to step in, we're going to take it. Now, can you imagine, just imagine for a moment if that was us, one minute you have a home and then you don't. One minute you're in Ballarat, then you're not. One minute then you have a home again, next minute you don't. Then you have a, a new home that you've built and then someone takes it and you don't. And over and over, this would have just gone on and on and on and on. I reckon I would have been gutted. I mean, I'm devastated enough that I have to pay a mortgage. Like, hello, whose idea was that? Shouldn't a bank just loan you money so you can build something and then they say, thank you, amen? The Bible says, lend to someone, don't expect it back. (laughs) Like, hello? Right, None of you like that. Really, you like paying a mortgage. Okay. (laughs) The point is, right, if you had a home, didn't have a home, had a place, didn't have a place, you and I, we would be left... I'm going to go as far as to say with no hope. Not believing that we would ever have a home again. Not just a house. A home. Yeah, I have friends that have lived in Horsham, went over to the States, came back after three or four years, lived in South Australia, and then they say this, we just felt called back to Horsham. That's what happened. Someone's playing. <laughs> so... um. They're now back in Horsham because they feel like that's home. But if you don't have that inside of you, it's going to leave you with, with no hope. And I'm going to suggest that the reality is that sometimes you and I, if we're to be totally truthful, feel like we have no, no hope. If you're trying to fix it for the stream, turn up the stream, but can you turn it down in here a little bit? It's echoing, if that's all right, right? Yeah, that's all right. I'm sure, we're, I'm sure we've got a sound man at home. I won't name Stephen that's sending through instructions to poor Ray. All right. It's Easter, Stephen. Take the day off. Hello in Jesus' name. Anyway, he's now going, hey, I'm famous. They know me around the world. I hope that's what he's saying. Anyway, so you've got these people that are without hope because they've lost their home. They've, they've lost their village. They've lost their town over and over and over again. And yet, somehow in all of that, these people that are without a hope held on to the promise that there was a Messiah coming. Yeah, and, and in their minds, he was a warrior. He was going to deliver them from the Romans. And then Israel will be back in wealth and power. But John proclaims these words of hope from the prophet Isaiah in Luke 3. And he says, As it's written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight. The rough way smooth. And all the people will see God's salvation. Jesus was already through John beginning to resurrect hope. Yeah? Even before he died. Even before he physically resurrected. He was already resurrecting hope in a lost people, and John was preparing a way for him. So, even today, for you and I, when life feels like it sucks, when life feels like it's sucking the joy out of whatever life we've got left just because of the stuff that we seem to be going through, even in those moments, our unexpected illnesses, you know, relationship struggles, financial woes, all of that stuff. Just the daily grind of living in a post-COVID world, yeah? Just that alone, because the truth is, I think every one of us reaches a point where we look at our lives and we go, oh, wow, this certainly doesn't look like what I'd planned. This life at the moment doesn't look like what I dreamed of. Anyone ever been there? You know, you're going to be an astronaut and you're not, you know, whatever it might have been, you know? Like, I just think sometimes we have this picture, I still think, yeah, I still think that I actually look like a bodybuilder until I walk past the window and see a reflection and I think, geez, who's that? That's not me. But in my mind's eye, I still look like that. So many of us have got these dreams, these visions of, of what our lives would look like, but every once in a while we look in a mirror and it not, looks nothing like we'd imagined, yeah. Jesus is resurrecting hope in these people. And so even though life can be really easy to become depressed, even though we can make silly decisions, and even though we can stop believing in the promises that we once held so dearly and strongly and firmly onto, the fact is that Father God knew that we would need Jesus. He knew that we would need the hope of Jesus resurrecting because Jesus is our hope. And through the resurrection, he's resurrected our hope. If you take anything from today, just one thing, know that you should be, I should be, full of hope because that's what he's resurrected in our lives, regardless of what we're going through. So if you feel hopeless at the moment, I'm going to suggest that you and I aren't listening to the voice of God if we feel hopeless because of his resurrection, we are now full of hope. Yeah? You know, he came... I love this because he's the God of the second chance. He came to resurrect a calling in our lives because he calls out to each and every one of us. Luke 5, Jesus is now resurrecting a calling in the hearts of some fishermen, if you read the story. Now, I can't say, I can't say that I love Jewish culture, not because I can't say it, because if I do say it, it'll get me into trouble because in Jewish culture, in their tradition, right, Children, they're sent to school to learn scriptures, okay, and memorize the Torah, the Old Testament. Now, once they reach, this is why I can't say I love it, once they reach a certain age, the girls go home to learn and fulfill household duties. See why I can't say I love it? Yeah, going to, but particularly because Mel's sitting really close, right? So they go home to do that and the boys, they actually stay with their studies and if they excel in their studies of the scriptures, they'll eventually ask a rabbi, a teacher, you know, if they can follow him as their apprentice. That's how they do it. That, that was a Jewish culture. And if the boys didn't do well or if they were rejected, yeah, they were actually sent home to learn the family business and to learn what the family did. So we we have to understand this, because this is brilliant. The fishermen that Jesus is talking to in Luke 5, they're already rejected apprentices. Do you understand? They are fishing because they didn't cut the mustard. Yeah, They're fishing because they were rejected. They just weren't good enough, so they were sent home to work with their fathers. And now, instead of these, I love this, instead of these rejected students actually going up to Jesus and saying, Jesus, we want to follow you, the scripture tells us that they didn't ask him if they could follow him, he asked them. They were the rejected ones, and he actually commanded that they follow Luke 5.11 says, so they pulled, a, pulled up their notes, uh, boats up to shore, not their notes, then I wouldn't know what to say. And they left everything and they followed him. Jesus actually asks them. They're rejected. He's the God of the second chance. No, one, no other rabbi was approaching them. They were fishermen. But here's this God who says, hey, listen, why don't you follow me? And they drop everything, their livelihood, their businesses, all to take hold of a second chance that was birthed Because he resurrects callings in our lives, yeah. You know, life throws curveballs; it often does. You know, I know people in this house, people that are in the community that've just got stuff that's going on. Everybody's got a story, and and I've got a friend of mine that says, no matter what I'm going through, there'll be somewhere somewhere else that's worse off than I. It's true. Everyone has a story. But when life throws curveballs, often it's our dreams and our calling in God that gets put aside, you know? It seems to be the stuff that gets forgotten, yet God has called each of us to live a life that's, that, that would glorify him. You know, 1 Peter 4.11 says, If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. This is the type of life he wants us to live. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. He wants us to live a life that glorifies him. So no matter, even though we may feel rejected, even though our dreams might be dead, he still calls out to us a second time. So my question is today, Resurrection Sunday, what dreams have we got? What dreams do you have, you and I, that that we've forgotten that God actually wants to resurrect yeah, because He's resurrected. Yeah. Jesus is calling us to follow Him right now, full stop. Yeah, everyone would agree with that. But through His resurrection, He's actually resurrected our dreams. He's resurrected our dreams. So why are we letting the things that were put to death with Jesus crush them? Well, He's resurrected them. Come on, that's actually really good. Because we should be saying, you know what? That's true. I am good enough. I, am, I can do it. You know, I'm not too young. I'm not too old. You know, he, he comes to resurrect our faith. You know, throughout the gospel, Jesus heals, right? He does this. He heals people. He brings people to life, you know, through those that have got faith in him. There are so many stories that just, that just proclaim Jesus' goodness and his grace. But even before Jesus says, get up to a dead person or a paralyzed person, yeah, it, even before he's done that, in him stepping forward to do that, the action of doing that, he begins to resurrect faith in people, not just in those that he's healing, not just in the person that was dead. Because I figure if you were dead and now that you're alive, if you don't have point, uh, faith at that point, something's still very, very dead inside, right? But not just that. Could you imagine everybody that's watching the healing, everyone that's watching the person being raised from the dead, Jesus actually, through that resurrection, through that healing power, he actually resurrects faith in people, people that had no faith. Because you could take someone that has no faith and you could pray for them, and if they're healed, yeah, we may never see that person in church but I guarantee you for the rest of their lives they'll be wondering and questioning if God's there because we've kindled some faith inside them. Yeah? He resurrects faith not just to those who are sick but also to the onlookers. You know, in, in Luke 8 through you know, verses 43 to 48 um, he, he's, on, he's on his way to bring a child back to, <laughs> to life when a woman... But don't go there, Andrew, bad joke. When a woman reaches out right, to touch him and touch the hem of his garment. yeah. Now, she did that and she held him up because she'd been bleeding for 12 years. Now, I don't know about you, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to be bleeding for 12 years. I've been in hospital before, I don't want to bleed for two days. For 12 years. Yeah. So this woman, she is desperate. So des- How do I know that she's desperate? She Because she's so desperate that she'll try anything. She doesn't even think, I'll just ask him to heal me. In her mind's eye, she's just thinking, man, I, I, I'm over this. If I can just touch him, if I can just get close enough to him, if I can just be so focused, maybe I'll get my healing. She actually asks for nothing. I, I love this because... Here's this woman who, who will do anything that society has totally pushed her aside. And in fact, because of her bleeding, she couldn't even enter a church, the temple courts. They would, they would push her out, not just of society, but you can't even worship God with us because you're unclean because you're bleeding. And not just for a couple of days, once a month. 12 years, she couldn't, wasn't allowed to walk into the temple. I mean, that's so Extreme. But, but her faith was enough that she knew if she could just, just focus on Jesus, just get close enough to him, she would find healing. And she touches his clothes. And then it says in Luke 8.44, she came up behind him, touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately the bleeding stopped, like straight away. Man, that's awesome. I hate it when I cut my finger and I'm, you know, from dinner on the sharp knife. And I put a Band-Aid on and the Band-Aid fills with blood. You take it off, you do another one, it just won't stop. But you can't stop because you're getting dinner ready. And you know if you don't get dinner ready, then the wife's going to get upset. If wife gets upset, unhappy wife, unhappy life, yeah? That's how it goes in most houses, isn't it? Yes? The the men aren't (laughs) courageous enough to say anything or come and see me after the service. We all live at the same address, okay? (laughs) But her bleeding stops straight away And and the brilliance of it is she didn't have to ask for healing. And Jesus didn't have to say, yes, I will heal you. You know, none of that actually happened. All the woman needed was enough faith to help her to reach out and to touch her healer. That's all she needed. Enough faith to reach out. How many of us, because of what life has thrown at us, have actually even found it difficult to reach out? difficult to pray, difficult to worship, difficult to meditate, to ponder, to focus on, when our healing is just to reach out away. You know, she didn't do anything great. She didn't make a sound. All she did was reach out. How many of us are here today and haven't received the healing we so desperately seek because we haven't reached out? You know? Haven't positioned ourselves to reach out. Uh-oh. Our faith is resurrected, yeah? It's resurrected when we reach out. Our faith is resurrected when we read the words because we know they're true. Our, our faith is resurrected when we pray. Our faith is resurrected when we worship, yeah? Our faith is resurrected when we step out in faith. You know, he's given us this faith and the faith that he's given us this through his resurrection... It's the faith that actually steps out of a boat. He's not given us any other faith. He hasn't given us a a fear of faith. He hasn't given us something that, no, no, I can't do that. The faith that he's given us through the resurrection is the faith that actually steps us out of the boat. So through the resurrection, through this Easter Sunday, he's resurrected our faith, amen? So our hope... He's resurrected our hope. He's wrecked, resurrected our faith. I mean, it goes on, on and on because he's wrecked, resurrected our dreams. And then joy, our joy. You know, a lifetime of pain and rejection, even this life that we're living right now, yeah, can take a toll on our joy. In, in John 4, there's a woman that John 4 talks about. And this woman's been the object of ridicule ridicule because of her race, her religion, her lifestyle choices. I mean, she's the Samaritan woman. Don't know the story about the Samaritan woman? I suggest you read it. And, And while she doesn't fit in in the Jewish society, the issue she has is she doesn't even fit in with her own people. Yet Jesus actually sits in this town of outcasts specifically to wait for and to speak to this woman. And I love that. Man, that is an awesome God, yeah? Oh, man, you look so good, but it's not you that I want. I'm waiting for that broken person that hasn't come out. I love that. That's so cool. Man, he's such a good God. So she comes at midday in the heat of the sun, if you know the stories, because that's when they came to draw water, yeah? That's when they came to do it. And basically, they came to do it then because it was so hot, they could avoid the town gossip. It was easy to go at that time of day. And she had five husbands, and now she lives with a man that she's not even married to. Heaven forbid, yeah? (laughs) Yet, for some reason, Jesus felt it was all right to speak with her. Man, if there's a message for the church now, that no matter how broken a person is, our Savior would actually wait to speak with them to give them hope and life instead of pointing a finger somewhere. Man, her lifestyle was one of adultery. And I've got friends that have been part of, um, that are at Rise Church and a couple of other churches here in Ballarat, that have been part of the prison ministry, and not just the prison ministry, they've been part of a ministry, Rahab Ministries, where they would go to different brothels, just to speak to the women there. Yeah, And they would share the gospel, that's all they would do, and they would offer the gospel to them, and if there was an opening, they'd say, hey, we can help you out of this life. What they will all tell you is that a majority of the people, the ladies that they speak to, are not happy in the work they do. Some of them are mums. Yeah? Some of them are wives. Some of them are just trying to put food on the table. The point is, they're doing something and there is no joy left in them. We're just doing what we have to do so that we can get through life. They are joyless. This woman, this Samaritan woman, may have been now on her sixth, fifth husband, yeah? But she would have been joyless. There was no joy left in her. She was doing what she had to do just to get through life. She was going through the motions of living. So how many of us, if we're to be really honest, open, and transparent, yeah? How many of us, have felt like that in the past. Like, we're just going through the motions. Like, man, I don't even know if there's enough joy in my life today to get me out of bed. Today I might just stay home. You know, like, if we're to be honest, everyone, we may not suffer depression and be on medication, but I, I'm going to go as far as to say every one of us in this room, those that are watching at home in our community, have moments and bouts of depression. So how many of us have actually gotten to this place in life where we just feel like there's no joy? I'm getting up, I'm going to work. I'm getting up, I'm feeding my kids. I'm getting up, I'm married to that husband. Oh, you know, obviously not referring to us because I'm awesome. Why are you laughing? Why is she laughing? There was no joy in her. Yet Jesus' conversation changes her whole life, her whole life. John 4, 14, he he says, But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He tells her that he can offer her a well of water springing up in eternal life. I mean, that's an offer. Everlasting joy now, he's saying. That's what he's saying now and for eternity. So all of a sudden, this woman who was doing stuff she didn't want to do just to get by in life, all of a sudden, just these small words, and bang, her joy is resurrected. You and I, oh, her joy was so resurrected at that well that she left the jug behind. The water is their livelihood, yeah? It's how they survive, to hydrate themselves, to cook, to knead bread. So she goes out in the middle of the day, Because she's joyless so that no one will be able to speak about the life that she lives to get water. Jesus speaks life into her life and she leaves the jug behind. She leaves the water behind and goes and tells people about Jesus. How many of us are still stuck at the well? Forgetting that he's actually resurrected joy inside of us. Man, check it out. She leaves the jug. John 4.30. They came out of the town and made their way toward him because of her joy. They came out of the town. How many of us have got friends in our life that have never heard of Jesus and probably have never asked because we look like we've been sucking on lemons instead of being a people that are full of joy? Man, and the devil does anything and everything to rob you of that joy. But we need to know that he's resurrected. And in resurrecting, he's resurrected joy in our lives. I love it because joy, joy is something that people can see, they feel it, they, they're embraced by it. And he resurrects her hope, which changes her outlook on life. You know, some of us may have things that we're ashamed of. You know, if I'm to be t- totally honest, This morning, I had a moment with my son, Samuel, because he's getting his breakfast ready. I'm trying to go over my message, as you do. And uh, it started with, Sam, can you wash my glass? When did your last slave die? There was an automatic departure of Holy Spirit and joy in my home at that moment, right? Right? So then I think, you know what, well, I can't believe it. I'm just gonna sit here silently, I'm not gonna say anything. So I go back to go through my message to make sure I'm happy with where it's gonna go. And then he's pulling the toaster out of the cupboard and the door comes off its hinge. I'm not a handyman, so anything that breaks in my house, my my stress levels just go, they they peak. If I was one of those needles on an old stereo, I was going bang, 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 bang. I'm like, are you serious? How can you be such a, yeah, so loud I was in that moment of weakness. (laughs) My wife came and goes, what are you telling him off for? It's not his fault. Of course it's his fault. He didn't want to wash the cup. (laughs) And then he took the toaster out and he hit the door. I just bought that toaster. He probably scratched it. And then, there's still more, it's like the steak knives. And then the door comes off the hinge, and he goes, it's not my fault. Well, whose fault is that? So I sat down to go back over my message. And I called out to my wife to apologise, because I said, "Now, I have no joy in me at the moment. Yeah, the enemy got in in that second. And so I started playing some worship music, just to realign and refocus on him. We all have moments where the enemy gets in and we do things that we're ashamed of or upset about and it robs us of that joy inside. But you know what? He resurrected so we could have joy. Yeah. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. So I said to Samuel this morning and I say it again, I'm really sorry, dude. (laughs) Because I lost it for that moment. Jesus came to resurrect our lives. Why don't we stand? It's time to go have some chocolate and family fun. Almost. You know, in Ezekiel 37, you've got the prophet Ezekiel has a uh, a vision of the Valley of the Dry Bones. And the valley really represented the people of Israel. There was no signs of life in them and there was no signs of life or any possibility of resurrection until God, God the resurrected God breathed resurrection life into those bones because you've got to go with me here, this was a prophecy of Jesus coming to breathe that resurrection life into all who would believe in him this is why we celebrate Easter first, he had to represent us in the valley of the dry bones he had to be convicted he had to be tortured he had to be killed there was no signs of life and he gets buried in a tomb yeah but three days later it says in john 20 you know his friends and followers the chickens were hiding (laughs) because they were hiding together because they were fearful that they were going to be arrested and the same thing would happen to them just solely because they knew him but they were also grieving together the loss Of the one who had once resurrected their hope. Yeah. He had resurrected their calling. He'd resurrected their faith. He'd resurrected their joy. And now, now he's not there. You know, out of love and duty, the women, you know, faithful women, men were too busy hiding, were sent to care for his body on the third day, only to find the stone rolled away and the tomb empty. You know. And then as the days and weeks followed, Jesus would appear and reappear to his followers and friends. Do you know why? Because he had to resurrect hope again. He had to resurrect calling again. He had to resurrect faith again. He had to resurrect joy again. And the breath of life that was breathed into him by God when he, when he got up out of that tomb, that, that, that breath, was now breathing life into the hearts of those that were grieving around him. I mean, that's a good God. Jesus was sent to this earth to resurrect us. Easter Sunday is about us being resurrected. It's about our life being resurrected, our joy, our calling, our faith, our hope. You know, we have a God that on Good Friday put all that stuff to death. So the stuff that's stopped us, that's hindered us, that's been like a, a... a a road bump, a speed bump on the road to the things that we wanted. That stuff's gone and today we celebrate his resurrection because at the same time that resurrection power has been breathed into our dry bones. So I want to pray for us today as we go out. I want to pray that we acknowledge that those things are resurrected in our lives. And not only that, there is nothing that has not been put to death. Everything that could hinder your call everything that could diminish your faith, everything that could rob you of your hope or your joy or the life abundant, all of that has been buried. None of that exists. All of that is dead. And we just need to live in the truth of his resurrection. Amen. So I want to pray for us today that on this Easter Sunday, man, that's the infusion that we get while we spend time together. That's the infusion that we get while we're eating and munching on chocolates and remembering all that he's done, that we remember that we actually live an abundant life that's full of resurrected joy and hope in Jesus' name. So, Father, we just thank you. We acknowledge all that you have done for us and in us and through us. We thank you for the wonderful sacrifice of your son Jesus on the cross. But, God, we thank you that you're no longer in the tomb. You have risen. I thank you, God, that in your resurrection power, Lord, you resurrect within us hope, God, for tomorrow. You resurrect within us faith to step, Lord, into the dreams that you're reminding us of even now. Lord, you're resurrecting constantly things in our life that we will live a life that's full, that's abundant, Lord, that people will see that they'll be attracted to, that, Lord, ultimately would glorify you that people would discover you. I thank you that through your resurrection, you have resurrected our lives and you've filled them with hope. You've filled them with dreams. You've filled them with calling. You've filled them with faith. And Lord, you fill filled them with hope. Lord, this day we give you all the glory. We say thank you for the privilege and honour of celebrating you. We look forward to continuing to celebrate you on this Easter Resurrection Sunday. And everybody said... Amen. Have a wonderful day in anything that you're doing in Jesus' name.